What's up, y'all? My name is David, and welcome to the Prep Station Podcast. This is officially episode one of the show. We did put out a trial run on Monday, but that was more of a test run just to work out the kinks. It went so well that I jumped the gun and I'm putting out a new episode now instead of next week. As of now, the plan is still to do at least weekly shows, but pop-up shows like today are just extra. But hey, if it works out well, we may go to multiple times a week. So let's start off today with some streamer news. Twitch is laying off 400 workers. This is likely a part of Amazon's recently announced 9,000 plus layoffs. The tech sector is still shedding jobs, which is predictable considering the surge in demand they had for all things online during COVID. Twitch in particular, though, is in a precarious spot. Right now, YouTube's attention is fully on TikTok, so they're going hard on YouTube shorts. But the minute they turn their attention to streaming, Twitch is going to be in trouble. Twitch has a major problem for content creators, and that is discoverability. If you're a new content creator, it is extremely hard to get started on Twitch. The path most seem to take is to get started and get a following on YouTube before switching over to Twitch for streaming. YouTube has signed a lot of big-name streamers away from Twitch recently, but they haven't done much to improve the streaming on the site. Unless you're subscribed to someone, you likely don't run across many streamers on YouTube. Something as simple as a live stream shelf on the main page, like the short shelf that shows up for everyone, would be a big help. I'm pretty confident that YouTube will improve their live streaming uh, experience in the future, but for now, short form content is king. Live streaming comes with issues, especially around moderation, so I guess I understand their preference for shorts. Live streaming is something I'm actually hoping to do in the coming weeks on this channel. The podcast itself may even go live at some point. It's something I'm definitely going to be playing around with. Let's switch gears and look into politics now. There's a funny story yesterday. Ron DeSantis is catching heat for saying that he was geographically raised in Tampa Bay, but he was culturally raised in the Midwest. So he identifies with Midwest values and not those of his own state, which I guess makes him transcultural? That's quite ironic considering his crusade against all things trans and woke. Uh, this bout of pandering is surely aimed at his potential White House bid. Uh, states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio will be key battlegrounds in the next election. I still think DeSantis would be better off waiting till 2008 to run. Going against Trump in the primary is tough enough, and if you get through that, you have to get past an incumbent president. And I know the right-wing echo chamber would have you believe Biden is vulnerable, but with record low unemployment and no major scandals, he's going to be tough to beat. I'm getting deja vu to 2012 when Republicans were just so sure they were going to crush Obama and ended up getting dominated. Donald Trump presents a unique challenge for the Republican Party. He is immensely popular with the base, but with not with independents or even moderate Republicans. He's, he's absolutely loathed by Democrats. Forget about it. That's the reason he lost the popular vote twice, and he lost bigger the second time. The problem is that if the party goes with him... Trump could, uh, excuse me, if the party goes against him, Trump could run on a third-party ticket and split the conservative vote. He's not blindly loyal to the Republican Party. For this reason, GOP has to walk on eggshells around him. Now, the Donald has bigger fish to fry this week. He's facing an impending indictment, and New York is already grappling with whether or not they're going to make him do a perp walk. That decision will be made by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. And I just seen a story this morning that said he... Um, he actually wants to be handcuffed and wants the perp walk because he thinks it'll rile up his base. From a political standpoint, I don't like the optics of this. I'm not a fan of Donald Trump, but I fear the one-upsmanship between Democrats and Republicans has just long gotten out of hand. On the other hand, no one should be above the law. 
if Trump is charged with a crime, he should be treated as such. Uh, being a former president is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Now, I ultimately side with justice. No politician or businessman should get special treatment when it comes to the law. But this story just keeps getting crazier and crazier. Over the weekend, Trump called on his supporters to rise up and protest if he's indicted. Yesterday, there was a bomb threat to a New York court where a Trump hearing was held. This situation is just kind of starting to echo the atmosphere ahead of January 6th and the insurrection. I'm not too worried about a repeat of that, though, as Trump is no longer in office, and we just wouldn't be able to hold off the National Guard like he did on January 6th. If there's any rioting or insurrection-type activities, I doubt Biden's going to hold back like Trump did. All right, let's move on to sports. The World Baseball Classic Final was last night. Japan topped the U.S. 3-2 to win their third Classic title. The game was a little light on action, but there was plenty of drama. The biggest moment for me was the last at bat. Shohei Otani was on the mound. There's two outs, nobody on base, and a one-run game. And who steps up to the plate but Mike Trout? Otani brings the heat, challenging him with fastball after fastball, most in the triple digits. The count goes full. Otani gets him with an off-speed pitch. If you don't follow baseball closely, this was a big deal for a couple of reasons. One is that Otani and Trout are teammates on the LA Angels. Two, you had arguably the two best players on each team going head-to-head -head in the last at-bat of a game where one swing could tie things up. And three, you had Otani, the first guy to be a threat pitching and hitting since Babe Ruth, closing out a title game. It doesn't get much better than that in baseball. Let's talk a little bit more about Otani, though. I can't stress enough how much baseball fans need to cherish and appreciate what they're seeing. This literally hasn't been done in a hundred years. They made a good point last night on the broadcast that even Babe Ruth only had like two years where he was an elite pitcher and hitter full-time. Otani's already had three such seasons. We're in uncharted territory here. And this could be his best year yet. With the banning of the shift, his average is going to go up. He's going to get on base more, and I think he'll steal more bases. He could put up a 30-30 season this year. He stole 26 bags back in 2021. And uh, the new rules on pitchers is going to make stealing bases a lot easier. The dude can fly. He looked good on the mound last night, too. I mean, he started a little shaky. You could tell there was adrenaline that got to him a bit, and his control was slightly off. But he recovered nicely and had an epic encounter with Trout. I put him on my players to watch list for this reason. Um, I think we could see a special season out of him this year. Now, Team USA, they look good in the tournament. Uh, they had a hiccup against Mexico, and then, of course, they lost a tight one last night to Japan, but there's no shame in losing to Japan. Clearly, what Team USA was missing in this tournament was pitching. The best American pitchers were not there. There was no Clayton Kershaw, no Max Fried, no Jacob deGrom. I would have loved to have seen one of America's aces on the mound, at least in the final. But still, a fun tournament overall. I love how competitive it is. The Dominican Republic was a top-ranked team going in, and they didn't make it out of the knockout stage. Mexico came in, beat the U.S. in the group stage, and nearly beat eventual champion Japan in the semifinal. This is my first time watching the Classic, but I'm definitely looking forward to the next one. All right, moving on to the next story. I gotta mention the passing of Willis Reed. Those of you who don't know, Reed was a Hall of Fame basketball player who played his entire career with the New York Knicks. He led the Knicks to their only two NBA titles. It's crazy to think that the Knicks, one of the most iconic franchises in uh, sports, only has two titles. Uh, Reed is most famous for limping onto the court in Game 7 of the 1970 NBA Finals against the Lakers. He hurt his thigh in Game 6 and was considered unlikely to play for the rest of the series. His appearance caused the crowd to go nuts. Reed knocked down the Knicks' first two shots, and even though those were the only points he put up, he inspired the Knicks to victory in their first NBA title. They would go on to win another in 1973, and they haven't won another since. He died yesterday of heart failure at the age of 80. 
Our thoughts and prayers go out to his family and loved ones. Sticking with NBA news, Clippers small forward Paul George went down with an apparent leg injury last night as uh, L.A. fell to OKC. Clippers starting to find their rhythm here lately with Kawhi Leonard back in the lineup. And uh, so this is a terrible time for an injury to hit with only a handful of games left in the season. And I think the Clippers could have been a dark horse in the West if healthy. Kawhi Leonard's proven he can lead a team to a title. And with the West being wide open, this could have been their year. Without Paul George, though, they'll be lucky to make it out of the first round. As of right now, they'd be matched up with the Phoenix Suns. That's a tough matchup if KD is healthy. And they're only a game ahead of Golden State at the sixth spot. Whoever gets in at six will get Sacramento in the first round, possibly, which may be a more favorable matchup. All I know is the Western Conference playoffs are going to be interesting, even in the first round this year. Moving on to the next topic, I think that's going to do it for sports. I read a very interesting article yesterday about degree inflation. Vox put out an article emphasizing that companies need to stop requiring degrees for jobs that don't need them. Amen. This has been a pet peeve of mine for years. I remember hunting for jobs back in the day and frequently seeing college degree required or preferred. And I'm not talking about listings for doctors or lawyers. I'm talking about customer service and front desk jobs. They didn't even care what type of degree. They just wanted a degree in general. Now, I'm not one of these new age college bashers. I think a college education is great and should be available to anybody that wants one. Uh, there's benefits to a college degree that go beyond just getting a job. It helps make the populace more educated and well-rounded, something I'm greatly in favor of. Now, I hope to send my kids to college one day. However, I don't think it's for everybody, and we shouldn't force it on everybody. There are some who simply don't learn well in a classroom setting. There are others who are just not interested in any of the professions that college offers. It shouldn't be a requirement to be a functional adult in the U.S., I've long been of the opinion that trade school should be mandatory in high school. Everyone that graduates should do so with the ability to get a decent paying job right away. This would be great for the people and great for the economy. The U.S. is facing a hidden crisis when it comes to tradesmen right now. We simply don't have enough of them. Part of the problem is an aging population, but another problem is pushing kids into college that might be better served in a trade. Now, we could also help this problem with a more efficient immigration system, but that's a topic for another day. Pushing everyone into college is a part of the reason why it's become so expensive. You can't get rid of college debt even in a bankruptcy. Student loans are forever. It's an unfair market. We're pushing kids to go to college, uh, whether it's in their best interest or not, and saddling them with debt that can't be wiped away. So if you want to put more focus on trades and vocational schools and change the rules around student loan debt, it will go a long way towards lowering the price of college. Putting a stop to degree requirements where they're not needed would be a huge boon as well. Sticking with the economy, the Fed is supposed to meet this week to determine if they're going to hike rates again. After strong data earlier this month, the consensus was that rates would be going up again, perhaps a half a point. But then Silicon Valley Bank collapsed and everything went sideways. A big catalyst for the recent banking problems is the interest rate hikes. So what's the Fed going to do? The pundits seem to think a 25-point hike is coming. It's lower than the Fed wants, but shows they're still fighting inflation. I personally think they should pause on interest rate hikes until their next meeting. The threat of a banking crisis is just more important than inflation rates that are already dropping. Their decision is going to give some insight, though, into how serious they think this banking crisis is. If they pause on any rate hikes, then they're obviously concerned. If they hike rates by 50 points, then they probably think everything is fine. A 25-point hike would show that they're concerned about the banking sector, but not overly so. And I think we've reached a point of diminishing returns on these rate hikes when it comes to inflation. If you want a soft landing, 
um, I think there's other measures that need to be taken to combat the problem. Unfortunately, those tools lies with Congress and not the Fed. A major factor in the inflation problem is corporate profits. All a company has to do to claim a short is claim a shortage of some supply or even labor and jack up their prices accordingly. People have gotten used to this excuse and don't put back, push back much against it. Consumers have the power to lower prices. If enough people refuse to buy something at a given price, companies ultimately have to lower the price to get product moving. In the last few months, consumption has remained high. If people continue to pay high prices for products and services, companies will continue to keep those prices high. I mean, who's going to willingly take less money? You know, Congress could swoop in and work out some kind of price controls on essential items, but that's messy and doesn't always work. In general, we don't want Congress wading that deeply into our economy. The press can help in this area, too, by pointing out where, like, unfair prices and corporate greed, unfair labor practices, good reporting can help customers who, you know, know when they are being swindled and lied to and allow them to make better economic choices. That's a key thing to remember. This is a consumer-driven economy, and we, the consumers, ultimately have the power to change things. I just saw this interesting headline uh, in South Korea. They just set a record with half a million economically inactive youth. This is a trend I've kind of been noticing since COVID hit that a lot of people are leaving the workforce. And it's just been a change in mentality about work culture in general and that maybe life isn't just about working and making money and doing all that. But now, of course, you have to have money to live and all that, which also probably coincides with the fact that record numbers of young people are still living with their parents. Um, but it's a question that the world is going to have to grapple with in the coming years as automation and artificial intelligence grow in capacity and take hold. For example, driverless cars. Um, that technology is already, it exists. There's already driverless cars out there. At some point, it is going to become so ubiquitous that we're not going to have truck drivers anymore. That's a profession that employs thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of workers in the U.S. That's going to be a, a, a pay well, and that's going to be a profession that's gone. You look at Uber drivers. Uh, I can't remember, I think it was on The Fighter and the Kid where I saw Brian Callen state that the reason investors like um, Uber, it does not make money, but investors keep pumping money into it because once we uh, driverless cars take over, it's going to be a cash cow. So you're going to have these type of technologies that take over jobs and we're not going to need workers now. Now, we're always going to need some workers. It's like somebody has to work on the robots, so to speak, but a lot of jobs will be lost, especially the low-hanging fruit. That's what always what goes first. Um, you always see the example of McDonald's, like, oh, they're going to have robots doing the job for you, flipping the burgers, and you know what? That's going to happen, regardless of whether people ask for more money. I would say if I was a worker in a fast food place, ask for money now, because yes, in the future, those jobs probably will be gone. They were already uh, working with kiosks and stuff instead of the customer service, the people work in the register. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Progress is always a good thing, in my opinion. Um, but we have to grapple with what are we going to do when all of these jobs are lost, who was it? Uh, was it Elon or Mark Cuban? One of them have mentioned this as being a problem, or maybe it was Andrew Yang. I forget. It was Andrew Yang. I think it was, that was, and that kind of gets to the next point of in the future, we are probably going to have to have some type of universal basic income. 
And I know there's a lot of people that are against that, especially on the conservative side. They don't want to have a nanny state where the government hands out money and hands out this and that. But yeah, in the future, it's probably inevitable. And um, again, this is not necessarily a bad thing. This could be a good thing, you know, if you have in the future, we have all of this technology that does all of the medial jobs that people don't want to do. People don't want to go out in the field and pick crops. That's the reason illegal immigration from Mexico is such a problem in the U.S., because American workers won't get out there and do the farming, whereas the Mexican workers are willing to do it, even for peanuts, you know, for not a lot of money. So technology that allow, that does that for us, to me, is a good thing. And again, yeah, you're going to obviously have to tax this type of labor. It's like, because robots, obviously, they don't earn a paycheck. But one way around that is that, yes, you could say, you know, tax the robots like you would tax people, except obviously it's just going to be the company paying the price instead of a worker. Uh, but something has to give there because obviously in the future when so many of these jobs do go away, we're going to have to have a way for people to live. And I know one answer will be the population dropping. We were so worried when I was a kid about population going too high, and now it's kind of reversed, and you have Elon Musk out saying, you know, he's worried about population collapse, and it's a legitimate concern because the population of all developed countries is going down over time. So, yeah, I definitely think, you know, it's funny, a lot of the problems we talk about now, especially conservative versus liberal and how to do this or that, it is just going to be turned on its head in the coming decades. We are going to have to change our opinions on the nanny state and things like universal basic income and taxation and population. But it's interesting, half a million in Korea. That's especially interesting for Korea because Asia is known for their work culture. And I want to say maybe in the last podcast, I covered a story on how they were talking about increasing their work week to 69 hours from 52. Here in America, we only have a 40-hour work week. And I know plenty of people work more than that, but it's considered overtime. Their work week starts right now at 52, and they wanted to jump it to 69, which would be uh, 10 hours a day, 7 days a week, or like 13 hours a day, 5 or 6 days a week. So... Um, yeah, that's something they're going to have to reckon with, having such a high inactive population in the youth and then wanting to change the work hours. That's probably going to drive that number even higher um, because burnout from work is a real thing. So, yeah, we got a lot of problems to deal with, different problems. I would say these are like first world problems that if we have great technology that makes work easy and makes it to work. People don't have to work. There's always an interesting analogy I seen where it's um, saying, I don't remember where it got this from, but I heard it somewhere. It said, humanity is going to face a choice in the future. We have two futures available to us. We could either be like Star Trek where technology takes care of everything and people just live for art and leisure and fun and recreation and all that. Or the movie Elysium where the rich people all live up in a satellite in paradise above the earth while all the poor people are down scraping by in a polluted wasteland. So, yeah, that probably is. We're going to have to make that choice at some point and figure out how we are going to live in a world with automation and artificial intelligence. All right, last story I want to cover is this Fox News Dominion voting system lawsuit. This is a very interesting story to me uh, because you have this uh, this company, Dominion, 
who is suing Fox News for defamation because Fox News claimed after the 2020 election that their voting machines were rigged against Trump. This was obviously not true. Um, I say Fox News. Trump and his team brought it up, and Fox covered it, saying they were just covering the allegations, but then their hosts and even some of their anchors ran with the story, uh, promoted it, and this is a $1.6 billion lawsuit. But it, it raises an interesting question because, you know, news, the media, they are generally protected under First Amendment rights, the right to a free press and all that. But where's the line drawn? Because Fox has gotten in trouble before with this, and they had to defend Tucker Carlson by saying no rational person would take him seriously. And there was the famous case they dealt with in Canada, where I don't even know if it was real. I remember the story, this has been so many years ago, about how they couldn't be called Fox News, they couldn't get a news license in Canada because they weren't, you know fair or something. They weren't legitimate. I forget the details on that. But basically, Fox News keeps running into this problem because they are very slanted towards the conservative angle and they have to placate that audience. They're getting into trouble for saying things that are not true. And where I kind of land on this is I do believe freedom of the press is extremely important. A free and fair press um, and we shouldn't have a lot of limits on them and whatnot, but I guess the counter to that is they should be held to a high standard. Um, and it gets tricky because what is, you know, especially these days with, remember, alternative facts, but in general, yeah, there should be strict standards on them. You know, I just, I hate this idea of, oh, Fox News, that's the conservative channel. MSNBC, that's the liberal channel. That's the progressive channel. I, I just don't feel like news should be liberal or conservative, it should be news. It should be uh, bipartisan or nonpartisan, excuse me, nonpartisan, not bipartisan, not a, let's give one turn to the Democrat, one turn to the Republican. It should be nonpartisan or don't be news, you know, be Fox politics, be NBC politics. Don't be, MB, you know, NB, you could have NBC news, which is, uh, I think, more straightforward than MSNBC, which clearly leans Democrat. Um, but, 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 yeah, bias news is not good, and it's a huge part of the growing partisan divide in this country. Uh, you know, Democrats famously say that if Fox News, or actually, well, I want to say it was Republicans that said this, that if Fox News existed in the 70s, Richard Nixon would have never resigned, and he probably would have got away with all of his crimes. And you see how they defended Trump through all of his trials and tribulations, and it's probably true. Uh, because like him or not, some of the things Trump did were not defendable. You know, his actions were on January 6th. That was really indefensible. His refusing to participate in the transfer of power, that's indefensible. Al Gore, who a lot of Democrats think was cheated out of the 2000 election, he humbly at the end gave in and conceded and moved on. And Trump still hasn't moved on. I don't know if he still admits that he lost the election. Um, so yeah, so this case, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see where this falls because on the one hand, you have freedom of the press. On the other hand, they are defaming this company because the data that's been released from all the, uh, pretrial stuff has shown Fox knew good and well that they were promoting lies. 
And that's where it gets, that's where the legal point kind of comes in. They have to prove, Dominion has to prove actual malice from Fox. Like they knew and they did this knowing it was going to hurt Dominion. And there's been a lot of text. It looks for me, I'm not a legal expert, but it sure looks to me like they knew this was a lie. They were promoting it and they didn't care. Now, I don't think they had any, I don't think most of the executives or whatnot had a grudge against Dominion, but they knew their viewers did and didn't want to go against them. And you even have Brett Baer, who was the, you know, he's the main straight-laced anchor for Fox News. But even he wanted to rescind their Arizona call on the 2020 election because he was afraid the viewers would switch to another channel. And that's a problem. You're the news guy. You should want to report what's correct, not what your viewers want. When you go chasing the viewers, to me, you kind of stop being a news channel and you start being a entertainment channel. And that's the big thing. I really, that's one thing I would kind of like to see is some uh, legislation passed to kind of deal with this media bias issue. And it's like, look, if you want to have a conservative news channel, you can't be a, there can't be a conservative news channel. If you're conservative, you're not a news channel. You are a political channel. If you're liberal or progressive, you're not a news channel. You are a political channel. So move those to the realm of entertainment. Let's leave the news to the news teams. And I'm talking, you know, like CBS News. And of course, you know, some people are going to say they're slanted. I don't think so. I don't think the big networks, their regular news is um, very slanted. Local news channels, to me, most of them not very slanted. I'm pretty happy with my local news channels. Um, But yeah, the cable news, it has really been just a toxic addition to our country. And I would not mind seeing that changed, seeing legislation passed, say, hey, look, you're not news. You're, you're entertainment. Stop. Stop it. Last thing I want to talk about is just kind of the future of the podcast and some of my ideas going forward. I'm really enjoying this so far, and there's a lot more stuff I want to do. I mean, I've basically just kind of been going over news, politics, and sports like I talked about and said it would. Um, but eventually I want to maybe work in some cooking segments. You know, this started, this whole channel started as a cooking channel. And the reason it's not anymore is because, and I still love cooking, don't get me wrong, it was my profession, that was my passion, I still love cooking, but I just don't really have the equipment or the time to do all of the cooking and to compete with other cooking channels. There's just so many fantastic channels out there and they're putting out crazy food. I was basically doing videos around what I was filming, uh, what I was cooking for my family for dinner, me or my wife. So, and I just kind of ran out of dishes basically because, you know, like in most families, we eat a lot of the same stuff. So I couldn't keep doing videos about that, but I would not mind occasionally throwing in a cooking segment. Um, I think that would be fun and just kind of do a like, nice change of pace from just me sitting and talking in front of the microphone. The other thing I want to get into in the future is definitely having some guests on. For sure, I'm going to have my wife come in and we'll talk about different things and all that. I just wanted to kind of get things uh, narrowed down first and kind of work out the kinks here before I bring in other people. But she'll be a guest soon for sure. I would love to get my brother on to talk about sports, gaming, other things like that. I don't know if that's going to be possible. Maybe over Discord, but we'll see. And then in the future, I'm definitely open to doing collaborations with other small content creators. Obviously, as a small creator myself, I'm not expecting to do, you know, go out and stream with any of the big guys. But if any other small podcasters or content creators want to collab or something in the future, I'm definitely down for that. Um, and again, that's something that can be done over Discord. 
that'll be something. Definitely have to work some kinks out. I'm fairly new to Discord. Never really did that much in recent years when it was growing up, uh, popping off. So, but I'm pretty tech savvy. Shouldn't be an issue. We can definitely work it out. But that's just some of the things I want to do. And there's going to be more. And again, this format will change over time because this is just the start. I'm new to this and um, I want to make the best show possible. So look forward to all those things in the future. But for now, that's going to wrap up this episode. I hope you enjoyed this little bonus show. Um, If I have time, there may be another one even on Friday. If not, for sure, there will be one Sunday or Monday for as the weekly drop but until then if you like this video don't forget to like and subscribe it really helps the channel and i will see you guys in the next episode